The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas. Continuing his sermon for the third Sunday of Advent, St. John the Baptist's Great Humility. It is most certain that if Adam and Eve had recognized their tempter, they would not have allowed themselves to be seduced. But this wicked spirit always uses trickery, knowing that if he does not disguise himself and assume some mask or the form of a friend when he makes an attack, he will never succeed. He seduces many by his wiles and cunning. When he presented himself to Eve, it was in the form of a serpent. But at that time, serpents were not serpents as we now know them. They did not bite and had no venom. Consequently, Eve had no more fear of him than a small child would have of a young eagle. The enemy spoke to her in the form of a serpent and kindled in her the ambition and eager desire to be like God. For this reason, she ate the forbidden fruit. As for Lucifer and his angels, they had no other tempter than themselves, for as yet there was no devil. They were tempted by themselves. Because of pride, they, who were once angels, became demons. For this reason, we can rightly say that ambition, pride, and arrogance came down from heaven to the earthly paradise, and from this paradise spread into the whole world, rendering it thereby an earthly hell. Thus the angel became a devil. He who had been beautiful and God's friend declared himself God's enemy and became ugly and horrible. Man, by pride and arrogance, lost the original justice in which he was created and made this earth a hell. For the evils that human vice draws in its wake are a veritable hell which lead from temporal to eternal punishment. Notice how one of the strongest, most subtle, and most dangerous temptations possible is being addressed to St. John, not by his enemies, but by men assuming the mask of hypocrisy, nor by them, but by his friends, sent to him from Jerusalem by the princes and doctors of the law. Jerusalem was the royal city where the holy senate and judges resided. Scribes were the doctors of the law, and Pharisees were like our priests and religious. The princes among the priests and the doctors governed the whole republic by the law of Moses. These then sent people to St. John. But whom did they send? Perhaps some of their sons' valets, or some other such men of low rank? Certainly not. They sent doctors and religious men as their ambassadors and those of the republic. And why? Simply to find out if John was actually the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah whom they were awaiting, so as to pay him due honor. Notice, I pray you, the caprice of the human spirit. They were awaiting the Messiah, and they saw that all the prophecies had been fulfilled, for they had the sacred scripture at their fingertips. The Savior came and went among them, teaching his doctrine, performing miracles, and confirming by deed all that he said. Nevertheless, instead of acknowledging him, they go in search of another. They address themselves to the glorious St. John, asking him, Who are you? 
He told them and did not deny it. I am not the Christ. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. He confessed and did not deny it. These are the words of the evangelist, brief and to the point as they are in everything they relate. Our ancient fathers correctly remark that when these envoys asked, Who are you? They did not want to know simply who he was, but whether he was the expected Messiah. Otherwise, would St. John have replied that he was not the Christ if he had not believed that they were sent precisely in order to confess him as such? It is true that he was not, and he confessed and did not deny it. But reflect a little upon the truly perfect humility of this glorious saint. He rejected not only the honors, the preeminence and titles which did not apply to him, but what is more amazing, even those that he could have accepted. He, being like the rest of us, was certainly capable of committing venial sins. And yet he had attained such a degree of humility that he triumphed beautifully over every pride and ambition, spurning and refusing to accept all the dignities and honors offered to him. While in heaven, the angels never sought to be gods. Lucifer was too good a philosopher ever to believe that that was possible. He understood completely that he could never be such, that it was simply impossible. No, his ambition never went that far. He knew that God would always be the first and would always be above him. In short, he was God, and Lucifer did not presume to be his equal. Nevertheless, his pride led him so far as to want to be like God. Through such arrogance, the miserable wretch, instead of becoming what he rashly presumed to be, fell from what he was and was driven out, banished forever from heaven. He became a devil. In him, devils began to be. Before his fall, there were none. Being in original justice, our first parents in paradise never sinned, neither mortally like the fallen angels, for the first sin that they committed was mortal and consequently deserved eternal death, nor venially. Nevertheless, they listened to the ancient serpent when he said that if they ate of the forbidden fruit, they would be like God. This sole promise made by Satan so touched their hearts that they forgot the Lord's command and prohibition. What strong and dangerous attractions are both pride and ambition, capable of seducing the human heart to transgress God's law. As the great St. Ambrose says, truly one must be clothed and armed on all sides with humility if one wishes to enter into the combat and war against vice. Our glorious St. John was indeed armed with this virtue. Oh God, how wonderfully present it was in this great saint. For he was neither in heaven nor in the earthly paradise, but on fallen earth. He was not an angel, but only a man. He was not in original justice and could have sinned venially. And they did not propose to him simply to be like God, they came to make him confess that he was the Christ, and they were prepared to acknowledge him as such. 
but he refused emphatically such acknowledgement. He confessed and he did not deny, says the evangelist, that he was not the Christ. How great were both this temptation and the humility with which he repulsed it. But note how the messengers from the princely priests speak to him. We are here, sent in the name of the scribes and Pharisees and the whole republic, to say to you that the prophecies are fulfilled and that the time has arrived for the Messiah's coming. It is true that we see among us many persons who live well and are very virtuous, but we have not beheld anyone like you or anyone whose works so delight our hearts. In short, we believe that you are the promised Messiah. If you are he, we beg you neither to deny nor to hide it any longer, for we have come to pay you the honor that you deserve. See? They place the agreement in his hands. If he had wished to accept it, they would have acknowledged him as the Christ. But surely this glorious saint was too great a lover of truth to allow himself to be carried away by such an ambition. If he had said he was the Messiah, he would have been a great liar, disloyal and unfaithful, for he would be accepting an honor that was not due him. These scribes and Pharisees declared that they were awaiting the promised Messiah, the desired of the nations, and him whom Jacob called the desire of the eternal hills. Some ancient fathers explained these words by saying that they described the desire of the angels for the Incarnation. Others hold that we should understand by them the desire that God had from all eternity to unite our human nature with the divine, a desire that he communicated to both angels and men, though in different ways. Some, such as the patriarchs and prophets, longed ardently for him, and by those longings raised to heaven, they petitioned for the incarnation of the Son of God. Solomon in the Canticle of Canticles expresses this longing in the words of the spouse, Let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth. What does this kiss signify but the hypostatic union of the human nature with the divine? Others desire it too, but almost imperceptibly. For from time immemorial we find people seeking the divinity, not being able to make an incarnate God, because that belongs to God alone, they sought ways to fabricate deities. For this purpose they erected images and idols, which they adorned and regarded as gods among them. I know that these were illusions, but we see in them the desire that God had implanted in all hearts for the incarnation of his Son, the desire for the union of the divine nature with the human nature. These priests and Levites, then, had reason for saying that all prophecies had been fulfilled and that the time had come when they should see him who was the desired of the nations. Now they ask St. John, Who are you? Are you not the Christ whom we await? And he confessed and did not deny that he was not. This has been taken from The Sermons of St. Francis de Sales for Advent and Christmas, translated by Nuns of the Visitation and edited by Father Louis S. Fiorelli 
OSFS. Published in 1987 by Tan Books and Publishers Incorporated, Rockford, Illinois, and aired with permission of the publisher. This book may be purchased online at www.tanbooks.com or by calling toll-free 1-800-437-5876.